Hey everybody, Todd Mitchell here. Welcome back to Game Dev Breakdown. What you are about to hear is part of my event coverage for the Virtual Indie Games Expo 2020. Big thank you to the event organizers for having me out virtually, of course. You can uh, find a link to them in the show notes to see more of uh, what they're up to and what they're about. In each of these episodes, I will speak to multiple teams who showed off their projects and are doing their thing. It's all very interesting. They're uh, great folks to get to know. So hang out, relax, and enjoy this event coverage. Good evening, fans. Tim Kittrow here, the voice of NBA Jam. And you're listening to the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast, brought to you by CodeWritePlay.com. Whoa, boom shakalaka. My mom gave birth in 1985. I was within a pack man ghost, barely alive. In the cold world, my only blanket was Tetris. I played Rampart with Reagan Rampage, the world for breakfast. The laundry mat was my sanctuary. That arcade was my church. I thought I was rest. Uh, Dylan, thank you for joining me. If you wouldn't mind, introduce yourself to the listener and tell us what you are exhibiting at uh, Indie Games Expo. Hello, uh, my name is Dylan McCusker. I am a tabletop game designer and producer, I suppose. Uh, and I was exhibiting Crumbs Foul Waterfowl, the expansion to my Kickstarter game from last year, just titled Crumbs, at the Indie Games Expo. When did uh, Crumbs come out, the original? I started working on it in 2016. I kickstarted it in 2019. And the production was done and uh, distributed out to all the backers and put into sort of general uh, distribution and purchase online uh, in February 2020. Explain at high level for folks what the game is, because I actually loved this when I looked into it. Uh, Yeah, it's a two to four player, 30 minutes to an hour or so uh, area control board game where each player takes on the role of a different uh, animal army who are all battling over breadcrumbs in an average city park. I love that concept. I mean, is, is that one of these sort of things like inspired by real life, like watching silly animals do, do silly things? Uh, sort of. Yeah. Our initial. So when I started this project, I started with a friend and we talked about what kinds of games we wanted to design. And one of the things that came up were pigeons are just such a goofy, uh, <laughs> goofy, undistinguished sort of animal that people don't really talk about much other than with disdain. So we thought it would be funny (laughs) to make a game about them and tossed around a few ideas, one of which had to do with like, oh, they're like, you know, fighting over uh, somebody who's feeding them crumbs. And then we that's where it sort of evolved to like, oh, what other kinds of animals do people, you know, in in public spaces feed, you know, sitting on a park bench, what kind of animals you see run up to a person to to beg for some crumbs uh, and and in that way just use those for inspiration for different powers and abilities and figured we could get a broader range of uh, interesting mechanics by introducing different types of animals. It's a super entertaining concept. Did you have a background in like board game anything? Was this your first go at this kind of thing? Uh, this was my first go. I have been an avid board gamer for many years I guess it evolved from starting a tabletop gaming club in college. And at that club, it just kind of became, oh man, I really like this game, but I wish it could have done this better. Or I really like this game, but it'd be so much cooler if it had this faction. So it just came from that desire to get the most out of board gaming in general and be able to have a hand in what we play 
uh, make the perfect game, you know, that we would want to play sort of, sort of deal. Yeah, it makes good sense. And this is something I've kind of explored before because I, I think a lot of game designers on the computer side or on the video game side, surely those of us who at least played board games a lot growing up and stuff went through at least a phase where it was like, I would love to design a tabletop, you know, experience of some kind. But when you really mm-hmm. start to think about it, or at least when I did, and I, I thought the same thing about card games as well, but uh, when you when you think about it, it's like, there are a million video game design books at this point, maybe not a million, but it's something that some very, very accomplished people have written very exhaustive books about. You don't really Mm -hmm. have as much of that on the board game side was what I found. I have found a couple of good books since then, but I even asked uh, a presenter at a, a convention one time who was showing off their, their card game or something. I said, how did you learn the design for board games? Like, how how do you mm-hmm. even do that? And they were basically like, I don't really know what to tell you because you can't teach it. Do you find that's true mm-hmm. also? Or, I mean, were you able to find good resources on your way in? I was able to find plenty of good resources on running a Kickstarter. But for designing a board game, um, I think there's a few notable books that people typically um, refer to. The two off the top of my head uh, are the Cobalt Guide to board game design and the art of game design uh the second one the second one i mentioned art of game design actually kind of i feel like fits with my thoughts on the subject which are that i think board game design is is i don't know it's, it's kind of it's comparable but it's different it's similar i think a lot of the primary techniques and skills in designing an experience are the same across whether it's a sport game or a video game or a tabletop game or an RPG, et cetera. You know, the, the medium through which you make this game can, can vary, but I think a, a lot of the sort of um, techniques and principles are the same and that the art of game design sort of goes over that uh, because it, because when I think of video games, I think obviously the biggest hurdle is coding. If I'm, if I want to make a game and I want to make it digital, then I have to learn this whole skill set that I have no background in whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I guess the board gaming equivalent to that would be like maybe people like when there's no, when there's no computer to process the sort of, if it's a, if it's a Euro game, you know, pro, if there's no computer to process the mathematics, the, the calculations involved in scoring different points in different ways, then you're relying solely on the players to do that and the ways the player interacts with each other. And so like that, those are the things you're thinking about rather than like thinking about the way the computer interacts with the game. Mm -hmm. It seems like success here probably comes from translating the conventional wisdom correctly. This looks like a really fun game to me. Like I haven't gotten to try it of course, because we were at a virtual expo and not one Mm -hmm. where, where I could do it. But, um, did you have a lot of opportunities during development to like have people play test this? I mean, any board game d- developer I've talked to has, has had to do some serious play testing. What was it like for you? Um, play testing is definitely like one of the most crucial steps uh, of the development process. And I think uh, play testing crumbs was helped out a lot by in-person conventions pre March, 2020. Um, so when I was developing it, I was able to bring it to, various uh conventions in boston and 
as well as to shops in New York and Portland, Oregon to like demo it. And, and every time I demo the game before it was made, I was constantly like taking notes and asking for feedback. Um, at one point I, I showcased the game in a, an after school program in New York city that was like specifically about board gaming. So I got, you know, 20 kids playing four copies of the game all at once uh, and got all of their feedback all at once, which is super helpful. So yeah, I think being able to bring it to these large crowds and get totally fresh eyes was something that was super crucial to the creation of crumbs. Yeah. And uh, I've developed an educational app game for, you know, younger kids before. And it's funny you mentioned that because I have done playtesting at a school, like a school event in the past too. And in mm-hmm. some ways it's the best. And in other ways it is just the worst. Do you know what I, what I mean when I say that? It's like, it's, it's fantastic. Cause you've got these honest little humans playing this game. They've got good ideas. They know what's fun. They know what's not fun. And it's very valuable. And they also don't care what you think about their uh, feedback. So they will say anything they want to you. <laughs> totally. And they, and they find ways to break the game that maybe because they're not making the most strategic sort of moves possible, but rather just the most emotionally charged moves as possible. <laughs> so um, they start to do things that you wouldn't expect and like make alliances in a game that's not necessarily geared towards that and <laughs> punish each other and like take revenge on each other in ways that I didn't see with adult players. So that sounds exactly like what I was expecting you to say, which is funny. <laughs> um, what was the experience like presenting a board game at a VR expo. I mean, like everybody I've talked to said like, yeah, the event was great. We had a lot of fun. I mean, do you feel good coming away from that? Like you uh, achieved something this weekend? I do. I I feel like it's, it's the first time I've had to present it digitally. And it's the first time I've had to use tabletop simulator in that way. And it went smoothly and it kind of made me feel more comfortable and opened the doors to, I think more digital events. I didn't actually seek out this event. Somebody uh, emailed me through my, uh, tidbit games website and informed me of it and suggested I might look into exhibiting there. So uh, it kind of fell into my lap and doing so, I think made me a lot more comfortable and realized that this is this thing that I could do. And because it's virtual, it's a lot easier. You know, I don't have to travel or pay for travel. I can, I can pop in and out um, as necessary for scheduled demos and panels without like, being exhausted in a convention hall all day. So it's definitely like an, an added benefit or, or a new avenue for me to uh, be able to talk to potential, you know, fans and people who haven't been introduced to the game before. Yeah. I love the concept. I mean, we're eventually going to get to a point where there are going to be physical expos again, and I don't know mm-hmm. how they're going to get me to come to it after this. You know, I, I've spent this whole <laughs> I spent this whole year covering events and interviewing people and stuff from my office where I should be for the best you know quality. I think you're doing a physical product. I'm very much not. So, but you were able mm-hmm. to kind of um, give people a good feel for the game using Tabletop Simulator. I think that's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think if I mean I I could have demoed the game or you know played it with people directly but it it kind of hinged on the fact that they already had this tabletop simulator steam game uh, available or that they were willing to drop 20 bucks for that which is unlikely so that definitely does present a challenge i think some tabletop games uh using tabletopia or 
uh, another tool I learned of recently, screentop.gg, um, which are kind of like a couple free tools you can use to make digital versions of board games online. It would be oh, a nice. lot easier to get to like play with people in a virtual event because all they have to do is go to this link. But with Chrome specifically, because it has this dropping mechanic and it has some very three-dimensional pieces and a three-dimensional kind of world that's required, it actually requires a physics engine to work when transcribed digitally. And Tabletop Simulator was the only tool that I was able to find that would allow that sort of, that had a physics engine that I could utilize. Board game design has been around forever, of course. And I really love that we're developing technology to sort of push it further, make it a little more accessible, you know, using these, these games in the software, you can really take it a long way without, you know, you're off publishing your materials or, you know, using scrap paper and stuff, which is all great. It's all mm-hmm. traditional. And we've all uh, done some version of that in the past, but I, I love that the, uh, the software is here. And I mean, I, I guess people are starting to do versions of it in VR now and everything. It's, it's kind of fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's been super critical for the last six months of, like I mentioned, we're developing a, an expansion to the base game. And for the last six months, it's been super critical to be able to navigate this and add components to the tabletop simulator version of the expansion and be able to talk to my co-designer uh, over the phone while both in this virtual world and manipulating the components and play testing the game simultaneously uh, while we're trying to you know, social distance and quarantine ourselves. Mm-hmm. So you get through the upcoming expansion. Uh, what do you think is next? Uh, next, I've got a couple more games on the slate. One, which is, I would say, pretty pretty far along. It's it's now just reaching its sort of play test and blind play test phase uh, called Heave Ho. And that is another very three-dimensional game which is just about a bunch of pirates arriving on an island at the same time, looking for the same buried treasure. (laughs) Um, And it's sort of a race and the game takes place in a four by four by four tall grid of tiles, uh, wooden tiles, which each, you know, represent like little piles of sand. And so the players are digging up and down into these uh, tiles and tossing them off to the side and uh, making the sort of terrain undulate as they search for this treasure. And then the other, the other big game I've got going at the moment is, which I had to sort of put on hold due to the pandemic, is called uh, One of Us. And that is what I like to call a social induction game because it features, uh, or the gameplay consists of a few cult leaders trying to induct as many members as possible into their own cult over the course <laughs> of however long you want the game to last. Um, nice. And that actually plays eight to 45 players and I've done that a few times at various parties and gatherings pre-pandemic, uh, and it's went over great. And then it was probably the main thing I was focusing on, actually, once the sort of state of emergency was declared. And then I was like, oh, well, it's not a very good time to be designing a social gathering, <laughs> 8 to 45 player uh, kind of game. Bad timing. Uh, during this time. Yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of had to put that on hold, and that's where I started to focus on Heepo and the expansion. But recently, I've uh, been working with a friend to develop an app for that, for one of us, so that I can be able to playtest that virtually with as many people as I want. Um, and that's coming along well. So hopefully that'll be uh, ready to go in about a month or so. Fantastic. Well, based on these ideas I'm hearing, I'm pretty comfortable saying you were meant for this. 
this, this all sounds extremely fun to me. So uh, let listeners know where they can sort of follow you and your work. Sure. You can check out my website at tidbit, T-I-D-B-I-T, games.com, or follow me on Instagram. It's probably the primary social channel, which I update. Um, and that is uh, tidbit.games on Instagram. I've also got a Discord channel, which you'll find linked on the website and on Instagram if you want uh, to potentially even, you know, join demos or digit virtual play tests and things like that for these uh, upcoming expansions and games. Always looking to build that sort of play testing community. I am excited to check out crumbs and uh, see what's coming up next from you. So uh, congrats on this. Congrats on a, uh, a good expo weekend. Maybe we can uh, check in again soon and sort of see how things are going. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Great. Let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor, AppFigures. AppFigures is all about helping game makers get more downloads and revenue. You know AppFigures for analytics and app store optimization. Now AppFigures can help you track competitors, from downloads and earnings to their audience demographics and even which SDKs they use. Their competitor intelligence gives great context. Say a competitor adds a new feature or was mentioned in the news, with AppFigures, you can see if that brought in more downloads. Have a new app or game idea? AppFigures will show you how big the market is and how much you could earn. Whether you're growing your app or building a new one, AppFigures can help you reduce risk and get more downloads without a huge budget or a data science degree. It's affordable and simple. AppFigures provides guides and tutorials to take you step-by-step -step through gaining more visibility with ASO and increasing your revenue by learning from your competitors. Head to appfigures.com slash on slash gamedevbreakdown to try AppFigures for free. If you like it, use our special code GDB3030 to get 30% off for three months. Again, that's GDB3030 to get 30% off for three months. Big thank you to AppFigures for sponsoring the show. Why don't I have you introduce yourself to listeners and tell me uh, what you uh, showed off at the uh, expo this weekend? Oh, well, sure thing. Uh, well, my name is Ben, Ben Davis. Uh, I uh, went to school uh, at uh, Rocky Mountain College of Art and Design for game design. Uh, and I have uh, since then been working on this uh, player versus player board game. Uh, it's just something that I kind of started out with in college as sort of almost like a thesis game and then just kind of like had it evolve from then. Um, it actually kind of came out of sort of a, a intro an introduction for myself into the world of Dungeons and Dragons and sort of tabletop gaming in that regard, because I was mostly before that more traditional Milton Bradley sort of kind of monopoly, pretty basic um, board gaming, uh, more traditionally a video gamer myself. So it was kind of a relatively new territory for me at the time. And uh, I've just come to come to love it. It's a huge scene. I actually, I mean, I've been to a few of the board game cafes here and there. I've gone to several conventions for um, where they have like sections for tabletop gaming and such. I was actually just before uh, the pandemic kind of hit, I was over in PAX East uh, checking out some of the uh, stuff that they had. And it was just, it blew me away how, how big the tabletop scene was really. I mean, um, so it's kind of kept me going this year for, um, 
for the current project, Clash of the Genres, which again is just kind of my love letter to popular media. It's a lot of kind of fun parody references bundled into sort of a, a death battle, battle royale sort of scenario. Um, I've uh, I've always loved the kind of the rogue gameplay approach where everybody never really knows exactly what strategy they're going to come up with, but they they pick it up as they go through the battle. So that's uh, where I was when I was designing the gameplay for this. I kind of embodied that sort of random nature spirit to it. But yeah, it's just been kind of uh, tweaking it, going over designs. I've, I've changed the uh, the general um, like the player count, for example, and the uh, the amount of cards have kind of shrunk down into a more uh, family game night sort of number, or even just like friends over, just small groups, rather than kind of its roots and its origins, which are it was much bigger, sort of like kind of a big party game. You know, there's people and I have uh, some associates over in California, and they do like the they did these bar crawls with the original copy of the game, so it's kind of evolved over the last few years into what it is now, and I'm I'm pretty excited to go into next year with uh with a possible physical release for it so that's where we're at we're, we're basically gradually moving toward a, a wide physical release of the game absolutely yeah and again my associate over in uh california he is kind of actually on the hunt for uh app development for the game as well because we we both have talked over about how the potential for it being in a mobile sort of uh setup would be pretty dang cool. I mean, again, much more accessible. And if the network was working right, it would be, you know, again, the potential for a mobile release. But he's on that end of it. I'm on more of the the, the physical copy because I've, I've had, you know, the physical copies before. It's what I have initially was going for. But we're kind of like split uh, duties on that. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing that uh, first prototype for what the version is to this day because we've done a lot of tweaking over the last couple of months with uh, playtesting. Playtesting is so critical for um, it's critical for all games. I mean, obviously, you should playtest a video game before you go take it to Steam or something. But for a board game, nobody skips it. Everybody understands it's crucial, and it's it's a big deal that goes on for a long time. I mean, has has the game changed a lot in response to that? Oh, absolutely. I think again, it, it kind of. It, it had a reflection of who the player base, what, who my uh, focus groups were. Um, you know, I, I went from kind of the casual uh, friend groups uh, to people that were more kind of hardcore tabletop players, um, even, you know, fellow game designers. Honestly, the last uh, couple of months, I've, I've come to know several, uh, you know, groups of just game designers, and they've helped really kind of approach it from a more critical side of things that... I, you know, hadn't really thought of in sort of the smaller social circles where everybody's just kind of like, yeah, we know the game we've seen it a million times, you know, it's it, this is how we do it. And again, the spirit of the house rule scenario and all that kind of people have like their understandings when they're playing the game enough times that it, it, it again, it, it just felt like a almost a different game at one point where it was that. I mean, just giving you an example, like the initial card count for the deck was 160 cards. Now it's down to 100 cards. So there's just so many more scenarios that had to be kind of narrowed down into a more of like tighter gameplay experience. Because that's what I was really going for after talking to these game devs is like, oh, okay, you know, yeah, you got to think about who, you know, where is this being played? Who is your audience? Is it a family? Is it a group of friends? Um, you know, again, the bar, the bar scene. You know, it's it's hard to think about that. But what I I narrowed it down to with this is a much tighter gameplay experience. Something that's kind of done within forty five minutes to an hour. You know, you get in, you 
duke it out with some friends or family and you know it's it's not overly complicated but you could make it that way if you wanted to there's enough levels of strategy to what's in the game and again the potential for expansion and adding to those kinds of games it's just what i'm excited for is kind of the unique nature of it where it is sort of a combination of a a card battling game but with a board to sort of stra- you know strategize as you're on the field you're moving around you're not just like well I'm just going to sit here and wait for the player's turn to kind of kick these uh, cards at my, you know, my way, my damage. Uh, it's like, no, I'd like to be able to actually re- react to that. Be like, oh, yeah, well, I played this card while you're attacking me, and you, you can't suddenly do that. It's a, more, it's a little bit more in-depth back-and-forth death battle. So I, I like that added level of strategy, and it's been so uh, great getting to see uh, people play it in action. Yeah, and I mean, at, at very high level, I mean, a new player picks up this game. What's the experience? I mean, what do they do? Um, honestly, I, they kill a lot of the early players pick it up relatively quickly. I think I've had more people struggling over the interface to tabletop simulator than my game, which uh, I see that as a personal triumph. <laughs> but they're like asking me questions about the interface. And they're not asking about how the cards work. They're like, oh, you already explained it. I get that. It's like, how do I, you know, rotate the camera or draw this card? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. How do you keep a board game project going during a global pandemic? Digital. That's uh, again, uh, they they had their small gatherings with the bar. He was telling me over in California uh, that there was a few small gatherings with it. And I did take it to PAX actually as well. So that was my last physical kind of demo was I played a few rounds at PAX. Great, fun time. Again, uh, what I ended up getting was a couple of families. The families loved duking it out and, you know, trash talking the whole nine yards. <laughs> and then, you know, you had um, a couple of groups of younger ones, too. So, again, I was kind of trying to test the waters on both sides of it, you know. And uh, it, it, uh, it's funny how it translates almost the same way, honestly. It's just like instead of your friend, it's like you're, you're, all, you're yelling at your mom, like, ah, you got me. What did you do this for? You know, so <laughs> it all kind of translates in a death battle the same way. <laughs> It's it's almost like they bring that into the game, dying to get that out of their system you know, oh, in this yeah, nice venting, controlled way. Venting, the competitive edge that gets put into the game. Gotcha. <laughs> so I, I love projects that let me get a little little bit of that into my uh, game night. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what are some of the great board games that inspired you? Sort of um, on your way into design yourself. Um. Well, again, as I was saying, I I did kind of come from a more like old school, but again, like Risk and Stratego were definitely two of my top favorites from the old days. I I definitely like that element of board strategy. Again, like for me, it's a little bit more than just drawing the cards and kind of rolling a dice even, you know, and again, I... uh, would say I was being introduced to Dungeons and Dragons when uh, when we were kind of brainstorming this game idea. Uh, so again, just a little bit more on the strategic side, and I've since picked up a few other ones. There's you know there's a lot of popular deck building games out there right now, which again mm-hmm. a little bit different than what I'm trying for, which is everybody gets the same deck of cards. There's no distinction between who's going to get what. It's all like all right. This is the pool. We're all going to draw from it. No one has the added advantage of, oh, I've got this deck over his deck. You know, I like the deck building approach, but I was hoping that, you know, the well-roundedness would kind of make it a bit more like appealing for people who feel like they get that unfair advantage. I don't know about you, but when I was playing, you know, games like Magic the Gathering and such, I'd be like, oh, man, you got that one card that's probably worth a pretty penny. And it's, you know, it's going to win you that game, you know, (laughs) that that sort of whole whole mentality. I was trying to keep it a level playing field, basically, when I was designing the game. 
And I it's been, I mean, yeah, the balancing part is probably what I'm most proud of because then I'm going, going to make sure like nothing, nobody's out if, within the first round of the game, you know? A lot of people will greatly appreciate that for sure. <laughs> um, what was the experience like presenting at, you know, a VR expo? I mean, did you come away feeling like, yeah, that was a great use of my time? Well, I, I did see it kind of on the 2D space and it was a little bit weird on my end. Um, but, you know, again, I felt a little bit kind of just put together last minute and I, I get that, you know, but I did see how some other presenters had put together their stuff. And, you know, I did have the tabletop simulator demo. I do have that up at any point in time. You know, anybody can play that. Um, it's fully functional. I just got the rule book updated the other day too. So, you know, it's, it's a functional uh, workshop mod. And I could have showed that, but I didn't know exactly how they wanted me to do it within the 30-minute time window. Sure. I did have a problem with that one time. I was on Fox News, a Fox News segment for my game, um, talking about it. They were doing like a stint on tabletop gaming. And I was, for some reason, they had not told me a darn thing. They were just like, all right, you're just going to get up here at this point in time, talk about the game, blah, blah, blah. They didn't even like say like exactly how long it was going to be. <laughs> so I'm sitting, I'm like standing there slowly trying to explain like the ins and outs of the game and like setting up the board space and everything. And then they're just like, yeah, we got to cut this off now. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, we got to watch my time. <laughs> can you get a little, give uh, someone a heads up there? <laughs> That's a fantastic story for multiple reasons. It's, it's right. interesting that they were, you know, talking about this stuff in the first place, but that they didn't really prepare you for it is even better. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, the very, very, yeah, very little uh, going in knowing what to do. <laughs> so. My goodness. And I mean, there were se at the expo, there were several board game designers present. I just spoke with uh, Dylan, the uh, designer of the uh, Crumbs game. And okay. it's interesting to me because I almost feel like there's, since we got to a point where we can do less physical gathering, uh, I know your project greatly uh, comes much before the pandemic started, but I think a lot of people got interested in like, I miss playing games in a room with my friends and having my friends in the room in general. I almost feel like we're seeing sort of a resurgence of this kind of design right now. Have you it noticed that be. at all? Oh, I would say uh, again, with having gone to PAX, I think again, the indie game, uh, development has been going strong and only picking up speed uh, with things that have been going on. I would say that, you know, having been at that last convention and seeing so many of these new projects, again, we're not talking expansions to previous games or anything. We're talking like brand new titles that I've never heard or seen of. Amazing art. There's people lining up to buy them. I think one of the ones that comes to mind is like one about birds, it's literally just like a deck building game where you have different species of birds, but there were, again, people lining up asking for it and it had just, just been revealed. So I think they just added that to steam as well. So they're kind of covering both angles on that. It's but, outstanding. Uh, me, yeah. Yeah. Again, it's, I'm just happy that I have the workshop mod as something for someone, you know, anybody who's interested in while they're waiting for me to get, you know, all the physical stuff done they have that option if they have tabletop simulator. So yeah, it's, I definitely would say that there's a lot of, I mean, just game design in general is being just uh, lit a fire under with, you know, people having the home time to work on them for sure. I agree. There have been a lot of very unique changes that have allowed us to really sort of run with the design in general and development in general. Uh, and of course, a lot of credit goes to the uh, creators of these 
various tabletop like simulator things. I've heard of several software programs in the last couple of weeks that are allowing people to do most of that design work without having to go, you know, play test at PAX or manufacture a set of, you know, test parts or anything or, 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 you know, draw out the notebook paper stuff, which there's nothing wrong with that either. But uh, it's, it's, there's never been a better time. And uh, the only question for me is like, people ask for advice, you know, board game design. I don't really know how to get started. And I feel obligated to like point people in the right direction. I've wanted to do design of this kind of, kind of project as well. I'm not really sure what to tell people like how other than play the games, play the games with a studious mind, break down what works, what you like, what you don't like. I don't know, you know, what, what books or uh, podcasts or anything people should uh, pay attention to. It's a, it's a whole different thing. Yeah. And again, like I was saying, there, there's more and more resources by the day. Again, I would start with discord for one, or even like Reddit boards, wherever like social media you go in to kind of do a search for and just see uh, how many are game designers, uh, game, you know, board game enthusiasts, anyone that's looking to brainstorm and pitch ideas off of. And, you know, half the time, these people have already done, you know, five, 10, 15 different projects already under their belt. So they can give you the voice of wisdom just from their experience. I mean, I've, again, I've talked to several people that have blown my mind with the way that, that how much there is to think of as being as for example being a self publishing is a whole nother ball game to oh, yeah. having you know a game in your boat that you're trying to get a publisher to pick up you know that's like two different sides of the same coin but it's just like wow there's a lot to think of with that and to find the resources it's basically networking it's really coming up with the right people and uh, I would say a name shout out I would throw out is uh, the Game Crafter is a great uh, resource for just seeing some of those independent, you know, low budget even uh, projects that you can do. And they have all the components. I mean, that was my biggest struggle when I did my first draft for Flash of the Genres was getting the proper components that I like to make it look professional when I had a prototype on the on the floor. So I I struggled with a few different companies back then, but now I've been dealing with the Game Crafter and it does seem like they have a pretty solid selection of the things you need to start a board game. If you did want to mess around with sort of a concept, they're, they're kind of a good resource that I've been. Nice. Very cool. So uh, speaking of shout outs, uh, let me know. I mean, Clash of the Genre sounds awesome. Let listeners know where they can check out uh, the game and uh, your work in general. Absolutely. Um, well, uh, I do actually stream it. Uh, I try to get me and my buddies, the same ones that uh, are over in California doing the, the bar crawls with the game. Uh, we tend to meet up uh, every Wednesday uh, and we, we play the game if you want to see it in action. We're just, uh, just a couple of jokesters playing around uh, the death battle. And uh, yeah, you can kind of see it in action. And um, uh, my Twitch ID is Proto165. So I do stream that on Wednesdays uh, most of the time. I, I'm not sure if we're going to get together with this one before Christmas. Uh, it might be after the holiday. But uh, for the most part, I still have the Twitch streams up there from uh, previous game nights. And uh, also we have the website, clashofthegenres.com, for any updates and stuff like that. I do have a Discord as well uh, with uh, announcements as well. If anybody wants to follow the Discord, they can message me and I can get them that info. And yeah, that's it. I do do the email would be uh, our company, Indie Pineapple, IndiePineapple at gmail.com. So that's Indie Pineapple. Uh, that's, the, that's the company we're going to publish the game under is uh, Indie Pineapple. 
And gotcha. yeah, we're trying to get that Kickstarter probably around sometime in the late spring. Again, I have to kind of pull some numbers together and get some, uh, I need extra hands really. <laughs> I need, I need a yeah. few more people to kind of be like, all right, I can, uh, we can structure these, uh, Kickstarter framings and all that. It's a lot to go over, but, um, yeah, I'm always happy to network again. I think that's, that's the, the heart of it is you just gotta get other people out there that share your passion. And I'm very passionate about this. Again, it's kind of a love letter to popular media genres. I've, I've, again, I'm, I'm a big entertainment buff. So there's gonna anybody that plays this game is gonna be laughing without the sheer amount of references they're gonna see in it. And uh, again, just a lot of love went into it. There's about 16 different artists that have done uh, the artwork for the cards. So it's just uh, again, that's probably one of the biggest compliments I always get. Is like, man, this this game looks great <laughs> so um yeah i hope to get into everybody's hands hopefully next year for sure awesome well we will look forward to uh, more news about that physical release and uh hopefully we can have you back on have a longer chat yeah let's uh let's do let's play a couple rounds sometime you want to have a go on the death battle sounds great all right well uh thanks for coming on and uh good luck with it thank you have, thanks for having me Thank you so much to our guests. If you enjoy the Game Dev Breakdown podcast, I would love to have you subscribe on the platform of your choosing. Hit that follow button on Spotify, drop a rating and a review on the Apple side. We have show notes at CodeWriteplay.com. We are all over social media at GameDevPod on Twitter, at CodeWriteplay, and me, Todd Mitchell, at MechaToddzilla, 1D and 2Ls. Love hearing your feedback. Reach out with topics, what's on your mind, what you're up to, and we love talking about that stuff too. So more next time. Take care of yourselves out there. Keep working hard. Keep making us proud. And I will catch you next time. That moment, nothing mattered in my life more than seeing my three initials at Lakeside with a high score. But now I'm older, there's no quarter to resurrect the hit reset. It's either game over or success. I'm walking towards a light, bright, no regrets. <laughs> Just me, just me, he, he, he.